Polar7 Enterprises presents Comic NFTs, an ethical approach, using digital collectibles to enhance your independent comic business. Read for you by the author, Greg Choswald. For access to extensive references, images, and a glossary meant for beginners, be sure to download your copy of the book at comicnfts.com. Hey everyone, Greg here. I hope you've had a great week. Around here, fall has finally hit and Boy, was it raining this morning, but so far I haven't had to pull out the kayak or anything. So, so far, so good. Today, we're continuing our exploration of the glossary. I just want to remind everyone that there are links and videos for each definition in the book. You can download the book for free at comicnfts.com, or you can poke around the site by going to the new URL, techforcomics.com. So without further ado, here we go. The word is NFT, a.k.a non-fungible token. Think digital files that come with permission to transfer. An NFT is an instance of uniquely identifiable, blockchain-verified digital content that comes with implicit permission to pass it along to someone else. Imagine an intergalactic library containing ephemeral books from all over the known universe. The actual books don't get put on the shelves. Rather, a hardlight hologram represents the book, the NFT in this case even though the actual book may be millions of miles away. Anyone can add a book to this library, and when they do, the extraterrestrials who run the library add a sticky to its cover saying who placed the book in the library. As with most libraries, there are multiple copies of most of the books, but each book gets a unique sticky. To make finding a particular book easier, these stickies often include descriptive summary information about the book, called metadata, that anyone can access and search simply by consulting one of the librarians. Such is the benefit of having ETs with perfect and virtually unlimited memories manage the library. From time to time, a creator who puts a book in the library will want to pass responsibility for its care to someone else. To accomplish this, they pass ID for both themselves and the next creator in charge to a special robot called SC. SC's full name is Smart Contract which is ironic given that he is not terribly smart and definitely has nothing to do with contracts in the legal sense. SC makes sure that the sticky on the cover is changed to reflect who is now responsible for the book. Over time, many different libraries have been built. They all operate in more or less the same way, but each has their own mix of books, visitors, and contributors. The word is node. Think connected computer. A node runs the blockchain's code and is part of an interconnected network. It brings relevant information in, does some work on it, and sends new data out automatically. In a proof-of-stake network, most nodes are just personal computers with relatively modest specs. Every blockchain has its own minimum hardware requirements. For example, here are the recommended specs for an Ethereum node after the merge. The node computer needs Linux, macOS, or Windows, a fast CPU with 4 plus cores, 16 plus gigabytes of RAM, a fast SSD drive with 1 plus terabytes, 25 plus megabits per second bandwidth, and 12 terabytes of disk space. There is no minimum requirement for the GPU as the node software can run on servers. The number of nodes maintaining a blockchain varies and this stat is typically visible to the public in real time, for example on ethernodes.org. As I write this, there are 7,497 nodes running on the new POS Ethereum blockchain. This may sound like a lot until you consider that this blockchain infrastructure supports a large worldwide industry. 
Just the lock value on Ethereum is about $31 billion currently and supports just short of 3,000 dApps. And this backbone uses less computing power than just one typical mid-sized university. Or put in another context, Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered on Steam, a single video game in just one setting, is, at the moment I type this, being played on 7,149 better-equipped gaming PCs. The word is OpenSea. Think eBay for digital assets. OpenSea is the OG NFT marketplace. Originally focused on Ethereum-based NFTs, the marketplace now supports other blockchains, including Polygon and Solana. The website also includes tools to enable you to create art and PFP-style NFTs. This New York-based company was one of the first movers in the NFT space. As such, many of the missteps and controversies in the early days of the industry were played out there. For a lot of creators, their negative opinions about NFTs can be traced to interactions and policies at OpenSea. The marketplace continues to evolve and has made significant progress in addressing many, but certainly not all, of the initial concerns. The term is PDF. Think drawn on digital paper. PDF stands for Portable Document Format. Originally developed in 1992 by Adobe Inc., this ubiquitous file format is now standardized as ISO 32000. As a result, PDF is the go-to format for paper-like image and text digital files meant to be accessible for a long time and shared between people around the globe. It is widely used by independent comic creators to distribute their work online. While technically we should say send it to me as a PDF file, it is now considered grammatically correct to say send it to me as a PDF. You know you are important and ubiquitous when you can change the dictionary. The term is peer-to-peer. Think directly between equals or without a go-between. Metaphorically, it is the difference between using cash and using an e-transfer. You can hand cash to a friend directly, peer-to-peer, aka P2P, but with an e-transfer there is a bank or other custodian in the middle of the exchange, not peer-to-peer, aka intermediated. While many NFTs change hands in a marketplace, they can also be shared P2P. That said, never, ever send an NFT in exchange for currency to someone you don't know without using either an escrow service or a marketplace. At some point, you'll be approached with a message saying something like, send me your NFT and I'll pay you X crypto bucks, or vice versa. This is a common scam. That stranger is unlikely to follow through on their half of the deal. Unless you are super close friends in real life, don't fall for this. PFP. Think visual avatar, a virtual driver's license photo crossed with the blue verified badge on Twitter. At least the old one. The acronym PFP actually has its origins in conventional electronic messaging and social media where someone would ask for a picture for proof about a claim. For example, if you messaged, my dog is the cutest on the planet, PFP would be a reasonable reply from the person on the other end of the text message conversation. The acronym was adopted in the NFT space to describe a unique image that could become a pseudonymous visual representation of the person who owns it. In this context, a PFP is both a profile picture and a picture for proof. Unlike a comic NFT where one NFT at a variant level is virtually identical to another, except for the mint number, PFPs from a collection typically have traits that vary slightly to make each PFP unique. It might be a hat, an accessory, the color of the background, or any number of other slight variations in the image. 
In environments that support PFPs, it is a way for a person to prove who they are visually. Some of the most famous NFT collections are PFPs. Board Ape Yacht Club, Moonbirds, and CryptoPunks are all PFP collections. While these hyper-expensive NFTs tend to make the news, there are literally thousands of low-cost alternative collections for people to represent themselves online in unique ways. The DC Batman Cowls collection is a notable example in the comic NFT space. The word is POAP. Think badge. The tagline for the official POAP app is bookmarks for your life. At real-world cons, creators commonly hand out lanyards, stickers, bookmarks, or other items of ephemera as a way to honor people who took the time to attend a session. POAPs, or Proof of Attendance Protocol NFTs, are the digital equivalent of this swag. They can be handed out for attendance in person or virtual attendance. There are excellent tools available on some blockchains to easily send POAPs to everyone who attends a Discord chat, for example, with the only real limitation being the cost of transaction fees to send out the NFTs. On some blockchains, for example Wax and Solana, transaction fees can be a trivial cost, making these NFTs a very cost-effective way for you to honor attendees. Technically, POAP refers specifically to a particular ecosystem of these badges on the Ethereum blockchain. There's even an app for your phone. But just like the brand name Kleenex is often used in place of the word tissue, you will likely hear POAP used to describe similar badge systems on other blockchains. The term is proof of stake. Think elected officials voting. Proof of stake, aka POS, is a consensus mechanism that uses a system similar to an elected parliament or congress to put a rubber stamp of approval on the data in a particular blockchain. Each validator holds a stake in the underlying cryptocurrency on behalf of users and is rewarded for doing so. This stake, in the form of the chain's underlying cryptocurrency locked in a virtual vault, is like a bond. If the validating node colludes to tamper with the chain, a validator can be kicked out and in some cases, this bond may be lost as a penalty, thus providing a strong disincentive to cheat. Proof-of-stake is used as an alternative to the high computational and energy cost of the proof-of-work consensus mechanism. Imagine the difference in energy use between having elected officials vote on each piece of legislation compared to having every person in the country drive to a polling station to vote on every piece of legislation. It's like that. The term is proof-of-work. Think thousands of treasure hunters seeking the missing piece of a secret decoder ring. Proof-of-work is a very robust but energy-intensive consensus mechanism. If you hear proof-of-work, POW, imagine thousands of computers or gaming GPUs racing against each other to find a puzzle piece that the blockchain needs to lock in a valid piece of data. Bitcoin uses proof-of-work to make sure all of the transactions on the chain are valid. Until very recently, Ethereum, the blockchain where NFTs began, also used proof-of-work. The proof-of-work version of the Ethereum blockchain used about the same amount of electricity as all of the tumble dryers in the U.S. A lot. And given the world's electricity grid is not yet carbon neutral, this was a problem from a climate change perspective. This, it uses too much electricity, proof-of-work beginning, is the nexus of the NFT environmental menace supervillain origin story. That supervillain met its demise on September 15, 2022, with Ethereum's upgrade to the vastly more energy-efficient proof-of-stake consensus mechanism called the merge. The word is pseudonymous. Think fictitious. A pseudonymous identifier is an alias, 
if you scroll through Instagram, most account names are pseudonymous, i.e. the person attached to the account is creating content under a name different from the name on their birth certificate. In the same way, crypto wallet addresses, aka public keys, are effectively aliases for the person who owns the wallet address. Like a nom de plume used in the writing world, these pseudonymous addresses are aliases for the digital asset's domain. Like a nom de plume, some of the less cryptic addresses can also be used to create a public identity in the online world. It should be noted that this is very different from being truly anonymous where, by definition, a person cannot be contacted, identified, or tracked. If you want to send an NFT to a customer, you need a way to transact with the correct person, even if knowing their legal name is irrelevant. There's a false understanding in much of the media that crypto is anonymous, but it is not. Given enough time, resources, and motivation, the true identity of the person or persons behind an active pseudonymous crypto wallet address can often be discovered. So we'll leave it there for today. Next week is our last segment of the book, and hopefully I will have some idea of what we will be doing with this podcast after we're done the book. I have ideas, but if you have any suggestions, leave me a comment at techforcomics.com on the post associated with this episode. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to pages 160 through 173 of Comic NFT's Unethical Approach. The book in its entirety is available as a free PDF to all subscribers at comicnfts.com and for a small fee via Kindle and Gumroad.